Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Happy Sunday. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we couldn't have much nicer weather. And uh, really, it's going to be a beautiful day again today. And uh, welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We could talk about your dreams or your nightmares. If you're growing something fun, different at home, we'd love to hear from you. Lots of styles, plenty of things to grow. You know, we're here in this nice fall season and having really pretty traditional weather for this time of year. And we haven't had this for a few years, you know, so it's a little cooler. We may have a frost or a freeze somewhere in the next month or so. Uh, but we can talk about all the fun things to do out there with this perfect weather. It's a great time to be out with friends and family. But... Um also a good time to uh, just be out and enjoy the deserts in Arizona. Uh, and if you like the mountains, who knows? Maybe we'll get a little snow one of these days and the skiing will really kick in, too. But, uh, yeah, kind of a real winter. Uh, what's special to us in the Woodfield family this time of year, not only the fact that we make a lot of pies for, for Thanksgiving, but uh, it's also that the citrus season starting. So now's the time you can go out and taste some of the citrus. And the first varieties are getting ripe, you know, like a Fairchild tangerine, if you have an older tree there, or, you know, like the Meyer lemons now are getting to be their best. And some of the other lemons are starting to break their color. So, you know, the season's upon us. So it'll be a good time to, you know, pick navel oranges here in a few more weeks. But whatever your dreams are, give us a call. We can plant and grow and all different kinds of things here in the subtropics. You know, we're famous for our citrus, but we grow, you know, nice stone fruits as well. Pomegranate season, this is about when they're going to start to get ripe. So somewhere in the next two or three weeks, those pomegranates are going to get a lot better on the trees, too. And uh, a lot of fun things to enjoy. You can still plant a nice vegetable garden if you like to and uh, carry that right through the spring. Great time for color still. And uh, it's a good time to plant roses if you want to plant them from containers this time of year. They'd be fantastic. But whatever your dreams are for that perfect garden, give us a call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We could talk about the Christmas tree season. It's it's just kicking off. This is the, the first weekend. And, you know, there's no rush that you have to get one right now. In fact, if you're going to use a, a Douglas fir or Grand fir, uh, we won't cut those for another week or so. It's just, it's too early. But there are some, the nobles and uh the Frasers and Nordmans, those will all do fine if you put them up now and take care of them. And, you know, they're a fun thing to enjoy for the season. Anyway, we start off with pretty open phones. We have the lovely Shira here on Phones and Music. Give her a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Mark and Chandler's up first after Mark. Open phones, number to call, 602-277-5827. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. I'm outside looking at the leaf of my small orange tree. I think it's Caracara. I don't remember. Um, Something's been eating the leaves, and I'm not concerned if it's just what it looks like. You know, I don't see any bugs on it. I may have seen what looks like a tiny white dot, which could be an egg or could just be 
remnants from... Well, the tiny white dot there. is usually the remnants of a pretty good guy. That's the eggs from a lacewing. So that that's, that's one mm. of our beneficial insects that hatches out and then the alligator that eats the bad guys. Only I'm thing not even is, sure it's that. Yeah, well, what normally would be feeding on the leaves on citrus this time of year, as fast as munching, you know, big chunks of the leaves would be twofold. It would either be a caterpillar, and this particular caterpillar is going to look like a turkey landed on your tree just before Thanksgiving and took a dump. So it would be about a three-inch long gray caterpillar. And, uh, I almost... I almost barely see anything on the leave at all. Yeah. Um, with, without regard to what it is, do I need to be concerned? Or not at all. You know, really yeah. not at all. I mean, there's uh, it, it's, it's nothing I would be concerned with this time of year at all. Um, there, there's no, no insect that's going to be a problem. You know, like we grow mostly all organic citrus, and um, we only spray typically once a year. We spray for thrip, and that's just so they don't get the scarred foliage on them. But uh, here yeah. our biodiversity is typically pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm, looking at leaf that's in, bad guys. I'm looking at a leaf that's literally half eaten, the entire half of it. Well, that was probably a grasshopper or caterpillar. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, and the grasshoppers, you know, obviously are large and mobile, so they'll come feed on them. And, and the caterpillars, usually they'll eat up more than one leaf. They won't just eat a half of one leaf. I don't even see anything in the yard, but thank you. Well, have fun. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Bye, Thanks. Mark. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Well, that leaves us with wide open phones, folks. Give us a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Beautiful morning out there. A little, little, little chilly, but not cold. And uh, it's just kind of the precursor for maybe a little cooler weather. But, you know, with your stone fruits, things like peaches, apples, plums, and pears and all those, you know, if you want to grow them here in the valley, it takes chill hours for the fruit to ripen. And when you're going to look, if you're going to plant a new stone fruit, say if you want to plant a peach tree, what you want to find is a tree with 300 chill hours or less. So chill hours are this really odd quotient that we get by how many hours it is below about 40 degrees. So, you know, it's got to be 300 hours below 40 degrees to get our chill hours. Now, if it gets real cold, you get credit for more chill hours. And if it's barely at 40, less chill hours. But at any rate, um, so this chilly mornings that we're having are wonderful, you know, for our stone fruits. But it's also what's critical about ripening our citrus here in the valley. You know, our citrus here... And I have to admit, I'm a citrus grower who grew up in an orange grove. Um, you know, I'm a little prejudiced. What can I say? I mean, I didn't grow up in Florida, not in Southern California. I grew up right here in Phoenix. And uh, But our citrus is, is develops wonderful character and flavor because we have warm days and cool nights. Now, some places in California have very similar weather, but Florida doesn't. And uh, the difference is, is we have a better balance for some varieties like navel oranges with the acid and the sugar. And it actually works really well for lemons too. So like our lemons and navel oranges and the tangelos and those varieties, we get a better balance of acid and sugar here because of our climate. And we're one of the few places that doesn't have some of the world's d- disease problems. It can be very problematic as well. So a lot of great things about growing citrus here. And what's fun about citrus is you can plant them here year round. And, uh, you know, you really don't worry much about frost. You could have, if you have a very young tree, say if you had a real small one, you might want to cover it if it was a lime, uh, especially like a Mexican lime, because it could burn, or a young lemon. Uh, Meyer lemons, not so much, but the regular Lisbon lemons. But 
Other than that, uh, the citrus trees here, pretty much once they get some size to them, don't worry much about freeze. Sometimes the crops can freeze. We can, you know, freeze some of our oranges, but we haven't had those types of temperatures for years. So that not to be an issue either. Um, wide open phones, folks. You can take us whatever direction you want. We are here in the subtropics, and that means we can grow everything from our beautiful Sonoran native desert plants to succulents that come from you know, we have a lot of exotic plants that come from South Africa with our bird of paradise and different things. We have plenty of plants here that we bring from Australia, some from New Zealand, China. We've got plants here from all over the world with all different kinds of characteristics. And, you know, recently we haven't had freezes. So the last, oh, especially five or six years, you see a lot more tropical plants, a lot of them thriving and doing very well. Papayas are out there. and We've got a lot more mangoes around town, a lot of other fun cherimoyas, fun different things to grow, but be mindful of the fact that our last four years haven't been exactly normal. So if you have these young tropical trees, you want to make sure that you're prepared to protect them. Not that we have to worry about anything right now, but just be mindful of the fact that if it's going to get down in the 20s, these tropical plants are not going to be very happy. So just be mindful of the fact that tropical plants will freeze. Uh, A lot of them will grow here. A lot more being growing here, and, and it does seem like we, you know, we've been a little warmer. But the fact that we're going to have a freeze here, or there, you know, I'm pretty sure we will. So I would uh, err on the side of, uh, you know, caution and just just be forewarned. You know, and if the and if you've got the tomatoes and peppers and you've been growing them out in the yard for years. You know, they've done fantastic. You know, pepper plants, there's lots of pepper plants around the valley that are two and three years old. But to keep those pepper plants alive, if it gets cold, you know, you want to put a little frost cloth, a little protection over it. Take our next caller, Valerie and Chandler. Good morning, Valerie. Hi, good morning. Hi. I wanted to ask, um, what is the best pomegranate tree to plant that's sweet? Well, the most popular one around the valley is wonderful. Now, there's lots of pomegranates, and uh, there's Utah sweets. There's probably a dozen different varieties here. You know, the most proven of them all is wonderful. But, you know, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be afraid of trying a lot of the others. With the pomegranates, though, the, the main thing you have to do here is be real consistent when you water them, okay? And you have to always protect the fruit in the fall before the, the bugs get on them. So you usually have to bag the fruit or cover the fruit up. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Valerie. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we've got wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR.
us a little love. Give us a call on the phone call. Sure is back here smiling. She's playing some fun music and uh, a little red bone tune. Anyway, number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow, where to grow, why to grow it. We could talk about Christmas trees, where they come from, how they're grown, the fact that there's a lot of snow up in the mountains in the Cascades, and so not a lot of silver tips this year, but uh, no, a lot of fun things to do this time of year. A lot of times, if, if you haven't ever been out and explored and hiked around the deserts in Arizona, you know, there's places to go see, like at the Kofa Mountains uh, over along the Colorado River. That are just magnificent. Uh, you get, if you've ever been to Palm Canyon, you know, people say palms. Oh, they're not native to Arizona. Oh, they've only been here for a hundred million years. You know, I don't know what native actually is, but you know, there's Palm Canyon where you can go see them out there and the native stands and, and the, the palm trees that were planted first around the valley here were mostly what now are called California fan palms. They used to call them Arizonicas, but you know, we have to give in to California once in a while. It is a big place. But at any rate, California fan palms are only native palm tree here in the valley. It's the big husky guys. It's the ones that uh, line Central Avenue and Glendale and Palm Lane and all a lot of streets to Mesa. And, uh, you know, been very popular here for a long time. And what's fun about our native palm tree here? The Washingtonia filifera is it actually has little black fruits and seeds that have been eaten here, you know, by natives for thousands of years. So even though it's not a date palm that like many that we grow that come from the Middle East, it is a native palm tree here. It has very useful fruit that uh, feeds birds, friends. And uh, if you want to go out and try some of those little black uh, seeds, they got kind of a big pit, but they're really quite tasty. Anyway, take our next caller. Looks like Carla in Phoenix. Then we have Anna in Sun Lakes. And then it could be you. The number to call, 602-277-5827-277. KTAR. Good morning, Carla. Oh, hello. Hello there. Hi. Hey, I have a question. I've been trying to start an avocado plant from the pit for mm-hmm. years, and okay. I finally read something that said it takes a, several months for it to even start. I finally got some uh, appearance of a root coming out just in the water. How long should I leave it in the water, and what do I do next? Well, you can leave it in the water. You can grow it in the water, or you can grow them just right in soil, too. And and realistically, Carla, they should, if you're putting them in soil, uh, they, they should germinate and split, and we'll typically do that in about three weeks. So they shouldn't take months to months to grow. Um, it's going to be harder for you to transplant it from the water into the ground, and and when you grow an avocado from seed, which is really quite fun to do, they make a lovely patio plant, but you don't want to plan on really having avocados from it. So if you want to right. grow one for it's fun. Yeah. So I didn't intend for it, uh-huh. but I just wanted to know how to keep it now that it's just beginning to start mm-hmm. a root. It's split. Um, do I, I keep I, it in I the w- water? I would take it out of the water and put it in a light potting soil in a container because that way you're not going to damage the roots in the future. And, and right. go ahead and put it like into at least, say, a probably around a two-gallon pot, something along that size, and uh, use a, a fairly you know decent quality potting soil. And you want to put the, okay. the seed in just at the level of the soil. You don't want to bury it deep in the soil. 
So just so the top of the seed is right there at the soil level. And uh, keep it moist. And if you can keep it warm, you know, it's going to be kind of hard outside because it's so cool right now. So you'd probably want to keep it where it's going to be warmer like inside. It would be easier if this one fails to do another one in the spring, somewhere like in March or April when it's warmer. And then you could just do it out in the patio. But uh, for this time of year, if you can keep the container, you know, reasonably warm, like, you know, indoor temperature this time of year, say 60s and 70s, uh, it'll slowly come up. But it's going to be slow right now because of the lack of daylight and the short days and the cooler weather. Okay, great. And if it does well, then in the spring, do you recommend replanting it outside? Well, no, you're just going to keep it. The best place to keep an avocado like that's in the container on the patio. If you, if you planted, you know, if you have an avocado outdoors here, it's, it's got a lot of different things that bother. And number one is is the cold. So this time of year, if you had a little young avocado, you'd want to be protecting it from frost. Okay. And then okay. in the summertime, you have to protect it from the heat. And um, so it doesn't like to be real hot. It doesn't like to be real cold. So, you know, if you're going to try and grow an avocado here at all, it's better like on the eastern exposure or southern maybe if you had a tree to the west side of it. And, uh, and this just really is an avocado country. Even when you go to San Diego... You know, avocados don't grow in the valleys. Avocados in San Diego have to be grown on hillsides to be frost-free. So they're they're a more temperamental plant, but um, okay. But they can be fun. But if you want to just grow it for a patio plant in a container, you know, you can keep it alive in a container for years, and it'll have pretty foliage. And on a patio where it's protected from the elements more, it'll do quite well and thrive. Okay, and how often do I water? Well, it depends on the soil mix that you use, but in a commercial potting soil right now, when you're trying to germinate it, you're going to probably want to water it once a week. Okay. And just keep, get, get the soil moist. It doesn't want to stay wet. Uh, it doesn't, you know, can't get real bone dry either. And it depends on the variety of type of soil and where you're going to keep the plant in the meantime. Uh, when it's established in the container outdoors in the patio, it's also going to depend on the type of soil you have. If you wanted to water it less, you would use the soil and maybe blend in some regular you know, dirts or some sandy loam topsoil. In a light potting soil, once the plant had some size to it outdoors, you might have to water it every day in the summertime. Okay, sandy, if it's sandy, I can water it. Well, it's like a sandy loam. That's where you mix soil in with your potting soil. Right. So dirt like from the garden, right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I love your show. Well, I appreciate the call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Anna in Sun Lakes. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. I love your show. I listen to it every Sunday while I'm getting ready to go to church. I have a question about starting a compost uh, bin, Uh and and I want to raise uh, winter vegetables. I... I grew up in Southern California, but the last 40 years been in Colorado. And, of course, you can't garden anything in, in the wintertime there. So I'm just loving being able to plant uh, in, in the winter. And when I lived in Queen Creek a year ago, uh, one of my neighbors had her vegetable garden in a big stock tank, mm-hmm. you know, animal stock tank. And she had the most gorgeous lettuce and and all sorts of uh, of wonderful winter veggies. So I 
would a stock tank be good? They're or, excellent or for, for as far as a container goes. You know, it's yes. an excellent way to have a portable garden. You know, and being raised above ground like that, and then it's just you, you probably want to add some more drainage to it. You know, the basic drains okay. in them won't be big enough, so you'd want to drill some more holes in the bottom so they would drain. And if you would set them up on some small bricks just an inch or so off the ground so that the, the water can actually run through the bottom to help eliminate the salts, that's a great thing, too. But they are fantastic containers, you know, and so usable, okay. and, and they work very well. And then how deep uh, how deep do cool weather veggies need? In other words, how much soil? You know, uh, you, can... usually you'd like to have, Anna, probably ideally about a foot. Oh, okay. You know, that that's that's Perfect. plenty. You know, you can go more, but about a foot's what it's gonna take to have it, you know, well established. You know, it depends, but you know, some things get pretty big. You know, if you're growing some cabbages <laughs> and those things out there, I mean they're gonna have a uh-huh. make a pretty good sized plant. But there are so many fun winter vegetables that we can grow here. You know, and that's Thank you. Know, you. So I, I think I you'll have, have a good area. time. I have a side yard that that you can't see from the patio, mm-hmm. so that gets sun and that's. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I I hope you have a relaxing and blessed Sunday. Thanks, you as Brian. well. I, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if that's exactly how today's going to figure, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun out there somewhere today. <laughs> you know what? Fun. You, you can't put a price on a fun time, right? Well, that's you know what? What, what makes life the most enjoyable. <laughs> Anna is just to see smiles, you know. And, Absolutely, uh, there's oh there's my. nothing like it. That that's true. And being masked up for a, a year, uh, we didn't see anybody smile. So thank you. Yeah, thank it, was, you. it was hard to smile with just your eyes. You know, it's it's doable though. That, I'll tell you what, I I, yeah. I I have seen some smiles and some eyes over the past couple of years that have been pretty amazing. I have too, Brian. <laughs> I surely have. Thank you. Well, thank you, you have so a, much. Have have a, have a fine Sunday. Bye, Anna. You also. Bye. Oh, and it looks like uh, Mr. Troy Barrett's coming in the studio. Jackie and Mesa, you'll be up next after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, Troy's going to get us enlightened and bring us up to touch on what's happening in the world this beautiful Sunday morning. In the meantime, while we're gone, they were, we're, we've got four lines open. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. It's Brian and Shira and Troy here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, Sundays from 7 to 9 on 92. 2.3 FM KTAR.
out here in sunny slope. They're not in anyone's way. You know, it's so wonderful the way we preserve the mountains around the uh, the valley here. And uh, I can remember when I was young and they were building houses higher and higher, then it kind of stopped. But, you know, having South Mountain Park, the world's largest city park right here in the valley, it's pretty special, and if uh, if you want to go hiking, today's the day. Weather couldn't be any prettier, and the sun's just breaking over here in the hills and sunny slope. Really kind of special. Well, we've got four lines open. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTR. Next up, we've got Jackie Amaza, but you can be after Jackie in the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Um, I was wanting to plant some tombstone roses. I was wondering when I can find them and where and, and uh, how I should plant them. Well, now is a great time to plant them. Uh, you can actually, actually probably about the best time of the whole year. Uh, it should be some. We have them in stock at our nursery. Most nurseries should. And they're not going to grow much right now, but they'll root through the winter time, and you'll have beautiful blooms in the spring. Fantastic. You know what's nice? They're uh, not frost tender. They're quite hardy, so easy to grow. Okay. And so if I plant them right now, how often would I would I start watering them? And Well, when you first put them in, you want to water them probably three or four times the first week. Make sure the ground's well saturated. And then if you had them on a drip system, uh, depending on your soil. Now, in Mesa, you've got some pretty heavy soils. So if you're in a clay-type soil, you could probably water uh-huh. them once a week. You know, and if you were in a place okay. uh, that had a little lighter soil, you could water more often than that. But weekly should be fine. Okay. Okay. And then once I start growing in the spring, do I need to change change things up or fertilize them? Or? Well, you'd probably want to go ahead and, you know, you can always use like a little bone mill when you plant. And it's really kind of a good thing. Bone mill or super treble phosphate, either one. And that's going to give plants, and especially things like roses, it gives them two things. Helps the root growth, but it also, when they come out, will help them bloom better in the spring to have more phosphorus in the soil. So planting things like roses, a little extra phosphorus always does well. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jackie. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. You as well. Bye-bye. Uh, Rob and Gilbert. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Brian. Hey, uh, I bought a ficus tree from you guys, about a 15-gallon one, about two weeks ago, and uh, finally got around to digging the hole. Uh, so I got about a three-by-three-by-two-foot-deep hole. And um, just wondering, it, I live in an irrigated area, mm-hmm. you know, flood irrigation. So should I add gypsum? Just kind of a clay. You know, it's not going to hurt at all to add some gypsum and blend it in with the soil. That's probably a good idea. But what I would caution you on planting a tree that size in that big hole is you might want to pre-flood that hole first and then just dig the center out when you plant the tree back in it. Because it could it could no. sink. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, I kind of planned on that. I kind of uh, thought I'd I'd raise that tree up to a point where, you know, it's probably three inches or so above the soil, and then uh, put the hose down after I plant it. Well, what I would and, do is uh, I, I would I would just pre-fill the hole. So I'd, I'd go ahead and blend in some compost or mulch, maybe about one third. Right. Okay, and okay. like we were talking about with the, you know, the super treble phosphate, that would be good to throw some of that in there too when you're when you're planting right now on some gypsum, and you can blend mm-hmm. all that in. But then just take a hose and. Put in that hole and water from the bottom up and fill the hole up first and let it settle sure. for a day and then just dig the sure. core out and put the tree in. Oh, sounds like a good idea. Okay. Because I'm afraid uh, your tree might just sink and, you know, the, the one way to really kill a tree is have it planted too deep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice tree, too, by the way. Um, 
And then uh, Iris's, I was at your Iris, uh, Iris's uh, little meeting they had last year, mm-hmm. and I planted a, a bunch of them in a pot, and um, they all leafed up beautifully all over the summer and stuff, but I never got flowers on them. Um, do I have to freeze them or something? Well, it depends uh, on what's like bearded irises should come back and without having any, you know, extra cold. Yeah. should come back and bloom on their own. Um, other yeah, irises do need too. cold. Huh, okay. All right, yeah, just a shout-out to your boy Lucas there at the uh, Guadalupe store. He's quite a young yeah. man, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is. He's you know, entertaining. <laughs> we, we, we have a lot of fun, Robin. You know, it's, 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 we're just so blessed to have such a great you know group of people to play with and fun and, and tease and work you together. You really do. You know, life's yep, just you really, uh, do. really special. Well, thanks yep. for coming and seeing us. All right. I'll be back. All right. Bye, Rob. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, Rob in North Phoenix. Good morning, Rob. Hey there. I had some uh, pomegranate uh, from a neighbor. But I opened them up, and they were, like, moldy on the inside. So I don't think they were salvageable. The few seeds that was good. Can you still plant those to grow your own out of those? Well, pomegranates are easier grown from cuttings than from seed. And they wouldn't necessarily okay. come out true to variety. If you wanted to grow your own pomegranates from cuttings from the wood, you can do that. But uh, Or you okay. can buy a young pomegranate. They're not very expensive. But, um, you know, what okay. happens with the pomegranates is, is a couple of different things. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, when it gets really hot here, like in late June and July, uh, the pomegranates quit growing. And then as they start to mature, they get a little crack in the bottom. So if that gets compromised in the skin, and why they do that is because we had like a nice monsoon afterwards and the fruit starts yeah. to expand and get bigger, you get that little crack. Anything that compromises the rind opens up the sugar to the bacteria and critters that want to feed on it. And so A lot of beetles were around these trees too, so I was wondering if there were well, cracks the, on most of the fruit. Well, the, those, those insects basically, and birds too, are going to go in there and they're going to penetrate the rind. They're capable of it and they're going to feed on the, on the good stuff. You know, They're out partying just like we are and they like that nice sweet juice. So what you need to really do to keep pomegranates from being compromised is to wrap them. And you could either do it with like a little mesh bag or you could do it with a paper bag and a rubber band. But you need to hide them from the critters. And uh, that really needs to be done back in September so they're protected before the the bugs and the birds get after them. But no, if you want to grow your own... Pardon? Yes. I don't have to do that with other fruits, do I? Like uh, like lemons or anything like that. No, lemons are, you know, lemons are really pretty special. We, we grow a lot of lemons. What's nice about lemons is, you know, rodents don't eat lemons either. You know, they're pretty much, uh-huh. they'll, they'll eat oranges and things, but not lemons. But now lemons, there's really no problem with pests on them like that that's going to compromise the rind. Um, okay. Meyer lemons late in the season, you might have some birds feast on them a little bit, but they're really, lemons are pretty much uh, one that's not going to have anything tear it up. Okay. And if I was going to plant roses or like the previous caller, irises or bulbs, mm-hmm. can I do those in containers or do I have to do and, you know, the roses will be, is there a certain size for roses if I want to container grow those or a variety? And for bulbs, will I still have to take those bulbs out from the heat of summer? Well, well yeah, most bulbs are like irises and things aren't going to last here through the summer. We don't grow as many bulbs here as, as other places. And, and the biggest reason is because we've got so many annual flowers here, things like geraniums, petunias, you know, that basically bloom for like six months. You know, in other places okay. where they can't enjoy our season, like if you go to Chicago where they grow a lot of bulbs, you know, they, re- they redo their flower beds every summer like three times during the season. And uh, But yeah. that, that's only their summer season. You know, here we can, 
put plants in that go for the whole season. But you know, with, and with some of the bulbs, you can keep them in pots like that for, from year to year. Other ones you'll have to take out and refrigerate to get them to bloom and different things. But so you can, you know you Got can go you. both ways. But growing plants in containers is always going to be a little harder to keep them from year to year than growing in the ground. But roses can be grown in containers here pretty well. And if you're going to keep plants in containers for year after year, you'll want to use a heavier soil mix than a regular light potting soil, and you're going to have okay. to water and feed accordingly. So that's why we use things that are slow release, like Osmocote fertilizers that can last three months. And, and then you might blend, if you're going to do roses for a long time, blend in some sandy loam soil so it'll hold more moisture in the wintertime and in the summertime. Roses are very easy to grow here in containers in the winter, but uh, very difficult in the summertime. I got you. Okay, okay. And a, and a, and a particular variety, rather tea roses or uh, smaller? Or? Well, it just depends on what you grow for. You know, like the floribundas, things like iceberg roses, which grow in clusters with flowers on the ends. Yes. Those are yes. the easiest to grow. And some of the mini okay. roses and the trailing little cascade roses, those are going to be a lot easier to grow, a lot hardier. Uh, you know, okay. even things like Banks roses and ones like those. Hybrid teas do very well here, but they're best planted in a bed like on the south side or east side of the house in the ground. Yeah. And uh, they take a lot more work and pruning and maintaining to get those, you know, wonderful large flowers. But, you know, if you want flowers for your sweetheart, there's nothing like a hybrid tea rose. Oh, wonderful. And those little, those smaller cluster roses, are those fragrant as well? They are. It varies a lot. One of the most fragrant is a little one called Angel Face. But, you know, roses, they're, they're bred for a lot of different things. And some are more fragrant than others. And others have, you know, different styles of flowers. And But mostly yes. the ones that are floribundas usually aren't bred for their fragrance as much as they are for their hardiness. Oh, wonderful. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. We're going to take a short break. Bill and Gilbert will be up next. After Bill, we've got open lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. Gonna let it all hang out Wanna make some noise Really raise my voice Yeah, I wanna scream and shout No inhibitions Make no conditions Get a little out of line I ain't gonna act a little for us. Come on. Beautiful morning out there, folks. Uh, quite, a, quite an entertainer there. 
Anyway, I take it and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes, from citrus trees to shade trees, ashes, elms, pistachios, fruitless olives. If it grows here and it's a tree, we probably grow it at Whitfield. And uh, we also uh, are kicking off, you know, Christmas tree season this weekend. And so we've got uh, beautiful Christmas trees at our nurseries. And if you want to give a gift for Hanukkah or Christmas, it'll last a lifetime. Come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantees plenty early in the season. We can get it all done for you before the holidays. And uh, whether you want to give mom a lemon treat so she can enjoy her own lemon aid, or maybe mom likes margaritas. Um, Whatever your dreams are. If you need a lot of plants for development, we grow thousands of palm trees on hundreds of acres here in Arizona. Uh, we have Mexican fans, California fans, date palms. Uh, we have beautiful citrus trees, great shade trees, and it's Christmas tree time. we got beautiful Christmas trees, too. Uh, our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue is straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And we have a Christmas tree lot at Bell and 64th Street. We're open Monday through Saturdays, 8 to 5.30. Sundays, I'm going to try and get everybody to stay till dark, okay? So we're going to stay the Sunday hours today. will be from 10 o'clock this morning when we open until dark. And, uh, and then we'll have extended hours next weekend. But uh, come out and see us for your best Christmas tree ever. Now, if you want to put up a Douglas fir or Grand fir, we haven't cut those yet. They won't be in until next weekend and then the weekend after. So not all Christmas trees are going to last long enough to be able to be cut and put up this early. And if you are looking for one, we have some beautiful, uh, you know, noble firs. And, and we have some Nordmans or Turkish firs and Frasers. And th- those will last. And those will easily make it to Epiphany if you care well for them. But, you know, some of the other varieties, if you're looking for that grand fir, hold on. They're not going to be here for a week or so. Anyway, welcome back to Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. we got Bill and Gilbert up next after Bill Wide Open Phones. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing this Excellent, sir. Yeah, it's kind of pretty out there, uh, isn't it? Uh, you can't beat it. That's why we put up with the heat. So, hey, I got a couple of questions on from Bogan Via. Okay. Uh, one of them is, when's the, when's the best time to uh, trim them back? Mine are growing, like, bonkers. It looks like I got Sideshow Bob all up and down the side of my house. Well, you can, you, can, you can clean them up a little bit right now. But here's the thing is the bracts and the way they bloom this time of year, we get some of the mm-hmm. best color of the whole year, you know. So, I, ideally, oh, if, they, if, they're not t- if they're not too much in the way, I would leave them, you know, through the season, okay. And typically when we want to prune bougainvillea is to, man, you know, basically get to manage the best quality flowers on them is to prune them heavy in March, okay, and then come back and prune them pretty heavy again in August. And uh, with the big, the larger bougainvilleas, and if you let them grow out from those cycles, then you'll have a lot nicer bloom. Oh, beautiful. And, um, what would be the best time to transplant one? Uh, probably not now. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> can be pretty frost tender. So if you have you have a large one in the ground you want to move? Or you want to plant uh, a new yes, one? Yes, I do. Okay. So the large yeah, one... The, move it over to the other. Yeah, the large one that you want to move, I, I would move it after the frost. So somewhere where it's warming up enough in the spring for it to grow again, which would be, you know, uh-huh. typically in March. 
Okay. And if you cut it way back, I mean, they don't have a very extensive root system, but cut it way back to the larger wood, um, it can be pretty difficult to get them out of the ground because of the way their root structures developed. Uh, if you had some kind right. of a ring or something that you could push down around them, what we used to do was have a metal can that we would dig citrus with, and uh, we would take right. the can and basically put it, it hinged, and we would put it around the citrus trees, and we would dig with a shovel turned backwards and work the, the container down in the ground to a depth of, depending on the size tree, a foot to two foot. And uh, then we would cut underneath and run a piece of burlap underneath and roll the citrus over on one side, back up on the burlap mm-hmm. and pull it out. Um, if you try to get too large of a root ball in your Bougainvillea, you're not going to have enough root mass to support it. So you're going to keep a smaller root ball, cut the plant back substantially, and say a little prayer. And then there's a product called Super <laughs> Thrive that you can buy that it actually works pretty well for transplant shock. But you want to make sure it's warm enough for the bougainvillea to be growing. Actually see some new spring growth come on on it before you try and transplant it. All right, beautiful. Well, Bill, thanks for the call. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that leaves us with wide open phones, folks, and you can pick the topic. Uh, lots of different things to be grown here and a lot of pretty places to see. And, you know, it's, uh, it's the Christmas tree season's just starting and, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of fun citrus you're going to be able to taste, you know. If you're new to the valley and you haven't enjoyed our citrus here that you can get off of your own tree and your neighbor's trees, you know, it, it does vary a lot. When we plant citrus trees, there's different rootstocks. There's lemons can grow on almost any kind of rootstock. So that could be on a lemon rootstock or an orange rootstock. But if you're going to have like navel oranges, you want to make sure it's on a sour orange or a carrizo. There's, there's two or three other rootstocks that'll work, but it has to be on a sweet rootstock. If you grow navel oranges on lemon rootstocks, then you have beautiful trees with beautiful oranges that aren't sweet. But there's there's no reason here in Arizona, you know, not to grow your own citrus. It's easier to grow here than most places. We don't have the disease and pest problems they do, for example, in Florida, especially, or South Texas, or or even in Los Angeles. So, our you know, our climate does help us to to grow some pretty healthy, pretty wonderful citrus here. So, you know, it's a good time to get out and plant it. We're gonna we're gonna try something fun. We're just gonna take this. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes. Good morning. So this. Um, who I have s- a problem with my, my citrus is falling off. Okay. What variety is it? It's uh, ruby red grapefruit and or- uh, navel oranges. They're just falling off the tree where they're not ripe yet. Well, we we have more drop at different times. Um, but I haven't noticed, you know, like on our orchards, especially with the navels, anything that's been too extraordinary. This is happening just recently? Yes. Okay. Have, you, have you changed your water or fertilizer at all? No, sir. Yeah. I, you know, we haven't seen a lot of, you know, we've seen more drop in the summers, you know, in recent years than we ever used to see before. But um, does it look like it's been clipped off or knocked off? Do you have any animals or any of the fruit damage that's coming off? No, sir. Um, this is the first year I've even had oranges. The tree is four, maybe five years old. Uh-huh. And I had seven oranges and... Now there's only two left on the tree, and the ones that I cut open were not ripe yet. And the ruby red grapefruit, some are ripe, and some don't have the flavor that they had last year. But uh, well, ruby red, have, yeah, yeah ruby, ruby reds won't really be ripe until April. 
I know. That's why yeah. I'm concerned. But I do have a ton of grapefruit on the tree, and the, mm-hmm. the branches are actually, you know, sagging from the weight of all of them. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Well, and it can just be wind and different things like that, too. And it can be sometimes rodents. But uh, do you have any ground squirrels around? Not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, you see those guys. They're out in the daytime. Um, yeah, I can't think of a lot of reason why it would be shedding, but on a small tree, we've, you know, some, but, you know, we haven't seen anything out in the orchards that was extraordinary for shedding like that. And I really okay. don't have a good reason for it to, you know, to, to tell you why it would be shedding that much. All right, I'll look for the animals then. Thank you very much for your time today. Good luck and have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Neil and Scottsdale. Good morning, Neil. Hi. I have a question about coffee grounds. Is it, uh, can you put too many coffee grounds on something? It would be just about impossible here in our in our soil if you're putting it on, you know, dirt, you know, like out in a bigger area. Um, in a container, you probably could at some point. But if you're putting oh, yeah. it underneath trees and things like that, I don't know that you could get too many coffee grounds. You know, the pH oh. of our waters oftentimes, you know, well over eight. And uh, the good part about coffee grounds is the pH is low. And it's amazing. You could take even sulfuric acid and pour it around a tree, you know, with a really low pH. And if it once it hits our alkaline soil, it breaks down really quick. So I, I don't know that you could ever put too much coffee ground. I mean, I'm sure there's some point you could maybe if you had it piled a couple foot taller on the trunk, but you know it would take an awful lot. Um, when you, I have some poinsettias that are in small pots mm-hmm. that I want to put in bigger pots. Okay, would it be good to put coffee grounds in with the potting soil and? Other regular soil. Well, you know, Neil, with poinsettias, it probably wouldn't you know wouldn't matter that much. Um, so you're going to transplant them and keep them like on a patio or something, or yeah, in a bigger, in a larger in container. Yeah, you just really want to be kind of careful with poinsettias, Neil, because they're grown in awfully small pots for the size of the plant. So it's more of the handling than anything else. And then you're going to make sure you want to keep them in a pot that you can can move to. We've got a hard break. Hold on. I'll give you some more information when we come back, okay? And we'll be right back with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show.